0: So, as we continue going through, uh, you know, the uh, continue going through the different spiritual gifts, uh, we're going to um, get to what we're talking about today, which is kind of fitting. And then we're going to kind of pause and you know do some things in preparation for the Christmas season. So, uh, Christmas being my favorite pagan holiday, and sitting in front of my favorite pagan uh, symbol right here, um, we'll talk about. Uh, you know, kind of some of the, the, the context and some of the other aspects of uh, the story of the Nativity, so that it could be a little bit more than just kind of the, um, you know, kind of cute little kid telling of the Nativity story. So, um, that being said, today what we're talking about is we're actually talking about the gift of giving. And giving is one of those things that uh, kind of falls in the, you know, typically the uncomfortable territory for a lot of people who hear it, but also for a lot of people that. Uh, are responsible for giving the word. Something that uh, is a little bit interesting is that about half of all clergy out there when, you know, different groups that have done these polls, in this case it's uh, the CBN network, um, about half of all preachers have basically reported that they have uh, either deliberately avoided aspects of different messages or deliberately avoided certain messages altogether because they were afraid it was going to be all too controversial with their congregation. Um, and this is something that's a very real thing. I mean, I can tell you that um, myself, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty cavalier with the stuff that I'll talk about, but even there, there is this balancing act that takes place where people say you want to um, be able to con- convict people enough that they feel like, you know, I, I want to experience this different life and this change in my life. But you don't necessarily want to sit here and push all the way to the floor where you know you probably could go because sometimes what will happen is human nature will kick in and will kind of push back and will kind of sometimes be repulsed against, you know, a message that we should really hear, especially individuals who may be at more nascent phases of their relationship with God. So, you know, there is this balancing act that takes place and giving becomes one of those things that actually causes a lot of people stress just the subject of um, money is something that we stress about. So I have other statistics for you. Uh, so CNBC did a poll and, uh, this year and they found out that 77% of Americans report feeling some form of anxiety when it comes to their finances. Which when you hear that at first you kind of go like, yeah, you know, money and yeah, money's a stressful thing. But if you actually think about that, like anxiety for anybody who's experienced, like not just like, oh, I feel nervous right now, but like actual like, oh, my God, anxiety. Then 77 percent are saying that that when I think about money, I just go, I just, you know, start freaking out. You know, I can't deal with that. That's kind of insane. Um, especially if you consider that means the opposite of that. Only three twenty-three percent are saying that you can that can talk about money and not feel anxiety. Less than a quarter. Um, almost thirty percent of Americans actually report that that anxiety is bad enough that it actually causes detriment to their mental health. So you're getting up, starting to get up close to almost a third of this country, the most prosperous country in the history of Earth. You know, and and not something I say in like a weird, uh, uh, you know, kind of exaggerated sense, but something that's like pretty verifiably most economically successful country in the history of earth. Yet still, almost a third of us feel like some sort of mental health impact when we talk about money. Once you start looking at those statistics, it starts becoming a little bit more sensible when you look at how Christians end up looking at their material wealth. When we talk about our own material, uh, you know, people start, um, you know, taking those anxieties and trying to roll it into their faith. This is one of the reasons why. There's so much attraction and allure to a lot of things like this kind of so-called prosperity gospel, this whole idea of like you just need to name it and proclaim it, you know, this, this concept that like God wants you to have wealth. He wants you to have blessings. When in reality, you look at the Bible and you say there's not a whole lot in the Bible that says a lot of that. There's a lot of people that ended up dying in uh, poverty and, you know, not great deaths and everything because they followed Jesus Christ. Uh, But yet this bad theology becomes very attractive because that is a need floating around out there. And so a lot of maybe not as well-meaning individuals that kind of wear religious garb have kind of latched onto this as like, hey, this is a way to really tap into what makes people insecure and use a nice, you know, dose of Christianity on top to try to get them to maybe join my group. <clears throat> but not actually dealing with the root cause of some of these anxieties of whether it's money or whether it's not money whether it's just other things that you have you know being generous with your things being generous with your time and the skills that you have how some people will hold that stuff back that that's something that can actually be detrimental to the mission of what goes on in the church I mean if you think about it money volunteering time, all of these things are crucial to the church being able to do as a church what it needs to be able to do. If all we really want to have is a Sunday service and some snacky snacks on the back table and some coffee and all that, you can get a couple heroes to come in and do that. But if you want to turn around and be able to say, you know what, we have somebody that's in our church family in need and we need to surround them and we need to come in and help them, that requires everybody contributing to that. If we want to be able to do big things where there's you know some some need of an individual to get their their rent up up to speed so that they don't get kicked out of their house and it's something that we want to we, we want to be able to do that. Well that, that can't happen because you get a couple heroes. That happens because everybody kind of comes in. You know, even when there's much larger things that we want to be able to do, big ministries that we want to be able to support, the fact that now, you know, on a monthly basis, we give out a, a decent contribution to one of the area food banks. And that's something that we do because everybody gets in on this. It's not happening because random individuals just decide to be very nice people. So the contributions are actually important. And that's one of the reasons why it does become uh, a little bit trying when you look at how willing individuals are to actually give only about 20% of reported christians state that they do something that is like a tithe now not to go in and define like high, highly specific whatever's about a tithe but basically just like that 10% to say like 10% of my whatever wealth time what whatever that i have 10% of my blessings my harvest I am going to give to the Lord in some way, shape, or form. And so only about 20% are reporting that they do that. And then when you start looking at individuals that give regularly, I mean, to an extent, like the fact that a lot of people don't give a tithe is is if you've been doing church stuff and ministry, especially if you've been in finance for a while, you know, like that's not super shocking. But once you start realizing that only about 40% say that they give anything on a regular basis, like have anything, even if it's just like, I'm make a commitment, Ten bucks every week to Caroline's Promise, 10 bucks to the church, 10 bucks, whatever, you know, just something that you can do. What about 40% say that they give any form of regular giving that are Christians. But yet you look at what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a part of this Judeo-Christian faith, and Giving is actually a very critical part of what it is. In a lot of ways it's what made that early church work so well are individuals looking and seeing there's a need in our family or in our community, so we need to be generous with our giving in order to assist those individuals with what they're dealing with. Now I want to kind of make certain that we can you know put in the proper context what we talk about when we talk about giving. Because there's really in the Bible, I mean you could break it down, I've seen like the you know kind of theological mechanisms to give these crazy categories to giving but you can kind of boil it all down into two basic types the first thing i'll point to is what paul connects giving to and that's something that we read in romans 13 verse 9 or romans chapter 13 verse 9 through 13 oh no terrible okay i'll fix that later so trust me it's in there it's in the bible it's a good book you should read it you can verify it later uh so in romans chapter 13 uh starting huh Romans 13, 9 through 13. No problem. And so what we end up reading is Paul saying this. He connects the idea of giving to the concept of love. He says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And when you actually start looking at how Paul starts connecting ideas of love to other traits, you can see giving is always put in there. That there's always this, these degrees of things like hospitality, giving to people who are in need, the ideas of generosity. These are things that Paul connects to the concept of love, and that's very important because you may have been in churches or seen things where there is the quote-unquote love offering where you turn around and say, because we want to surround this individual with support, we want to provide offering to this person. It's one of the reasons why when there is a need in the church, I mean, we should, you know, if we love a family, you don't just want to be a leech and take things out of the church. But at the same time, if you have a need, you shouldn't feel bad about asking for something, you know, saying like, I need help from the church family, because that's actually a part of it. We want to actually be able to surround people with that love offering when it's actually needed, whether it's it's a monetary thing, whether it's something where I can't do this work around my house and so I am going to let people help me with this work around the house because I need help. That is a form of a love offering that people can provide and we need to be generous, we need to be hospitable to other individuals in giving that love offering. So there's connecting our sense of, of giving to love. And then there's a second form of giving, and I say it's a second form because in my mind, this is Application from Joseph Pack, take it for what it's worth. It's not divine truth. It's just what seems to make sense to me, is that I find it helps to separate these two types of giving in my head and to give them distinctly and separately because it keeps my heart accountable. So there's the love offering, the giving that I give because I see a need and I want to give to it and I want to do something to show someone love and compassion. But then there's the second type, and it's something that we see in Leviticus 27 verse 30. This is where we see a tithe. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And when you end up seeing traditions of giving that have existed throughout the history of Judaism and Christianity, what you are going to see are things that fall in kind of these two different categories, where there is a sense of generosity that you have for other individuals, where I I want to give to this person, I want to show compassion to this individual, I want to do for them, I want to give for them, I want to spend time for them, and I want to do those things, but then there's a totally wholly separate thing that exists, which is more of a practice. And it's something where I am practicing and forcing myself to be disciplined about the things i have been blessed with to acknowledge that this is not mine this is only here because God has blessed me with this thing. I only have this paycheck because God has given me the, what, the opportunities for education, the, the, the skills, the, the whatever it is, the openings, the opportunities to be able to have this job, to be able to do these things. It's one of the reasons why even when it comes to my time, when I find a little bit of extra time on the side, I don't just sit here and go, man, it's more time to play video games. You know, I look at it and I kind of say like, okay, well, you know, I, you, I, I guess in my head I almost find myself just kind of naturally like tithing that extra time that I end up having because in my head, it, you know, I, I've tried to force myself to acknowledge that there is a difference and there is a distinct purpose, a heart purpose that is, diff- that is different between me giving to somebody's need, giving to something because I say I have compassion on them and I want to give to that thing of which I have compassion versus I want to give because I want to show my dedication and my subservience to God. And this is something, by the way, that is very much reflected when you end up looking at that New Testament church. You know, I don't have the the verses primed up right in front of me, but if you sit here and look at the first chapters in Acts, what you're going to see are examples of individuals who have a need and the other individuals doing what they need to meet that need. And then you're going to see separate things, where you're going to see things like Sapphira and Ananias, where they are going to sit here and be a part of a commitment that everybody made to sell and give half their stuff to this corporate thing. So you see there's actually two different types of giving that are rooted in what the heart is actually trying to achieve. All of it is rooted in the heart, but it's rooted in the heart in a different functional way. And it's important to recognize both of those functions because both of them are critical to what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now as we sit here and we talk about giving, it's important to go through the verses that I bring up, not too infrequently, are, in my opinion one of the most misinterpreted or at least misapplied verses in the entire New Testament. And it's in 2 Corinthians 9, chapter 7, where you end up saying what you're probably familiar with when we talk about giving, when we talk about you know, things that you know, uh, uh, may motivate us to separate with the, that, the, that stuff, that, that material stuff that causes 77% of us anxiety. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Which most people apply to state, this means that if if I feel like giving this much, then then that's how much I should give and I shouldn't feel bad because that's how much I feel like giving. That's how I have heard this applied by many, many, many individuals and uh, kind of the, the, the smirking way that I'll respond to that is, hmm, did you read the verses immediately after that? Because as soon as you go right down to verse 12, then it says this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So in other words, what you end up seeing is that the, the, verse 7 is not saying you should look at your heart and then say, I only feel like giving this much. And so... I'm all done. I was a good Christian. Instead, it's connecting the fact that your heart should be driven by the things of God, and so just as you have thanks for God, so too should that thanks be reflected in your willingness to separate from your material things. Not to say like, okay, go and become like a, uh, you know, go become a pauper today, but to say that your sense of giving shouldn't be bound by just what the whims of whatever you feel like on that given day. Instead... It is a reflection of the thanks that you have. And so what does that say when you look at that 60% of Christians who don't give on a regular basis? Your giving does not earn your way into heaven. Your giving does not in and of itself make you a good or a bad Christian. But just as how symptoms on the outside can indicate that there is an illness on the inside, it is a symptom. And so those 60% do have to stop and you do have to just think for a second and say, hmm, is this maybe indicating an area where I show thanks to God, but that thanks doesn't really go to every area that it should. There's an example that I'll give you, two different examples, one of them being kind of a non-local thing and one of them being a local thing. So anytime I've done any kind of uh, uh, funeral or a wedding or anything like that, I always have something that I'll wear under my clothes or under my tie or something, and it's this little guy right here. And this is a little thing that I picked up when I was in Israel. And it's got a little cross of Jerusalem. And in the middle of it, it has this very dingy little thing. And that is the widow's mite. So it is a widow's mite. It is a very, very cheap little coin. And if you don't remember the context of the widow's mite, I have good news. There's scripture for that. So in Mark 12, verses 41 through 44, we end up saying this. Jesus sat opposed... The place where the offerings were, were put and watched the crowds putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins. What some of your Bibles may translate as a mite. The poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, only worth a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And as you sit here and you look at that, what you can tell is that what truly matters is not the quantity of the amount of stuff that's given to the church. One of the more detestable things I've ever heard in like a church governance type context are an insinuation that my opinion should matter more because I know I give X amount to the church. And it's something that none of the individuals who say that would say that they are trying to say that my giving makes me more pious. But there is this idea that I should have somehow maybe a a stronger hand on the rudder of what's going on. Because, you know, after all, it's just like any organization. And I'm putting in this much and everything. And you need to keep keep in mind who your biggest donors are. And that might be the case in a secular context but when it comes to the work that God is doing what you can see is Jesus Christ looking at things and saying that he is less concerned about people who are giving out of their wealth and more concerned about people who are giving because the heart of the thing is what they're really after now the local example I have of this is related to these things right here and you immediately know what this is we're all very far removed from college I guess Oh, oh, trust me, if you still have college PTSD, you immediately know what this is. This is a ramen seasoning packet. That's what this is right here. I have a little envelope of a few of these, and they stay over at my desk. And the reason why they stay at my desk is because when I was volunteering at Glory Outreach years ago, over in that building right over there, there walked in a couple so they were pretty open about things. I don't mind mentioning this, but there was a couple named Ralph and Marie. And they walked in and were going around, and the most generous individuals I could think of, they're sitting here at a food bank, and people have all kinds of negative feelings about different types of like institutionalized charity and stuff like that. But they're at the food bank, a place where you could easily turn around if you really want to and go, hmm, those people don't need it. Those people, don't need it. Those people don't need it. They would walk around, and the amount that was allotted to everybody, where you go to like each shelf, and it's like pick two from there, four from there, and all that, and then helpers would help them out. They'd say, Oh, I, I don't need any of that. Well, I want to save that for some other people. I want to let other people use that thing. And people would, you know, and they would go through, and they were, they were generous about all the different things. But then afterwards, she was talking to Meredith and I, and she realized that we were a newly married couple. So being like a newly married couple, she turned around, and she's like, oh, hang on a second. She opens up her, her purse. She pulls out some ramen packets. She says, "I keep these because, uh, you know, uh, um, my, my husband and I, we can't, you know, we can't deal with the sodium and everything, you know. But, um, you know, there's so much you can do with these things and everything. They can really help you when it comes to, you know, if you need to make, like, some broth or some soup and everything. She proceeded to go through and tell us all the things we could do with this and said, like, I want you guys to have this so that I know it's really hard when you start out and everything, but I want you to do this. And it'd be easy to dismiss that as, like, a, like a crazy old lady kind of thing or something. But you could tell that this individual had very, very little. They had nothing, even the groceries they're picking up to their own admission was mostly not for them. So, but yet these individuals who have nothing are still looking at the small amount they have and saying, how can I give this to somebody else? I even remember the phrase coming out of her mouth where she said, um, you know, when I see these things, I know a lot of people throw these away, but um, you know, I know people need these. So, so I, you know, I, I keep them, out. I want you guys to have them. So. We held on to those packets years later. Over a decade later, they're still sitting on my desk as a reminder of the fact that it is not how much you give to different different organizations and different charities that make you a good person. What makes you a good person is the fact that you have a heart that goes along with it. And that's what we're talking about right here. That's why giving becomes so important. That's why giving for all of us is such a critical thing because while it is not the thing that makes us righteous and it's not the thing that makes us an individual that's like a good Christian, it is an indicator of the heart. Who can look at the individual who handed us these and say, you know what, she probably has a pretty corrupt heart. You look at the individual and you immediately know that it's somebody who does not think about themselves. And in the same way, people need to be able to look at us and the things that we do with the time that we have, with the talents that we have, with the wealth that we have. And they need to be able to look at us and immediately not not kind of sit back and go, well, I bet they have other reasons why they're doing this or why they're doing that. Maybe they want to have a stronger hand on the rudder of something. Maybe they just have certain things they want to do. We want people to be able to look at us and be able to see Ralph and Marie. Be able to see people that are giving because they have hearts that are truly wanting to give, that are wanting to serve. We want to have individuals that look at us and be able to say, I can tell this person loves people and I can tell that this person loves God by what I see them doing on the outside, that symptom of what's going on in their heart. The last thing that I'll, that I'll, leave you guys with is um, something that comes out of John chapter 6. It's this story that we end up seeing with um, uh, another, another story we end up seeing of how Jesus uses even humble gifts, even humble demonstrations of our willingness to give up what we have so that God's work can be done. Lest anybody sit here and have cynical thoughts about, you know, getting money and putting it in, you know, just some big fund for a nonprofit, for a Caroline's Promise, for a Well Community Church or whatever it is. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all, when they had all enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. When you sit here and you look at this story and you look at how God was able to use the 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 loaves of bread and the fish, you're not just amazed at the fact that Jesus Christ did a miracle, which again is the part that's most in our face. It's the part that we most kind of immediately resonate with. But the fact that it says in the very beginning. Jesus posed this hypothetical, purely hypothetical question to Philip, saying, where are we going to get food for all these people? And he already knew, it says in verse 6, that he already had in mind what he was going to do. And so when you sit here and you look at your own talents, your own time, your own skills, your own material goods, your wealth... And you sit here, and it—you it, 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 you, know—you quickly kind of go to that same place. I know all of us. I, you know, I in my mind go to where we start thinking like, oh, well, you know what, I don't, I don't know if I want to give this up because I might be able to use it for this, or maybe I can do something more good here. You know, I don't want to use this open door to give to somebody else's need. We have to stop and recognize the fact that giving isn't something that just goes into a Jesus Christ slush fund where God will tap into it when he needs to tap into it. But in fact, God already knows what he is going to do. And this poses kind of this existential crisis for so many of us that God already knows the good works that he is going to do. He already knows what he's going to do in the lives of the individuals who are going to call our church in another three months and say, you know what, uh, you know, I, it, we have a cold snap and our uh, heat is shut off and we need help. You know, God already knows what he's going to do when there's an individual that is working at one of our employers who is in need because their house burned down. And God already knows what he's going to do whenever there's somebody who needs some individuals who give up their time on a weekday or on a Saturday to go help an individual out with a project around their house. God already knows what he's going to do. And if we sit here and hold back, no problem, because God knows what he's going to do. And we just simply won't be able to be a part of that blessing. That's the existential crisis that we all face because God knows what he's going to do. But then on the flip side of that, you have to understand that when you sit here and you are willing to humble yourself and give up your time and give up your money, give up your skills, give up whatever that thing is you have that somebody wants to borrow or whatever it is, when you're willing to do that, You aren't just doing something and like enabling somebody to be able to get over a hard time. You are actually playing part in something that God has ordained, that God has set up to do. Because God already knows what he is going to do with whatever we have to give. So as we sit here and we think about the spiritual gift of giving, we have to recognize that some of us are better at seeing and recognizing those gifts. Some of us are very good at being able to identify that this person can use some help, this person can use a little bit of service, this person is in a hard financial situation. Some people are very good at recognizing those situations and may try to give everything they give. But you know what? Sometimes the people who have that gift may not have a lot to give. And that's why it is important for all of us to actually take seriously the calling to give generously, to give out of our love for other people and out of our understanding that we serve a God that has dominion over all aspects of our lives. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all the things that you have blessed us with. We thank you for the, the, the time and the skills that you give us. We thank you for the material goods, and we thank you for the uh, uh, wealth that you have you've, you've found it. Good to bless us with, and we just pray that we would be individuals that don't have a shred of pride and are willing to actually step through the door of of opportunity we have to help individuals that are around us. This season is full of so many season, so many so many possibilities of how we can help others. Help us to be able to see those opportunities we have to give and to to give eagerly. I pray that you would help to. convict us, but also help to give us courage to give when it's not easy and and give us determination to be able to consistently let our generosity overflow out of our sense of hospitality towards others and out of our sense of devotion to your work. We pray all these things in your Son's precious holy name. Amen.